David, I love that candle you're burning. You seem to always have a great candle burning. I am very aware of how room smells. When you've spent over a decade with a 75 pound Labrador retriever and two teenage boys, you start to worry that your house smells like the inside of a gym bag. I would imagine so. You know what I wish we'd had for the last decade? What? That Puro Air Purifier we now own and use all the time. I love my Puro Air too. Did you know that indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? Yes, I lived with two teenage boys. I can 100% testify <laughs> to that. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Gases from a preteen boy? <laughs> I'm dreading when my nephews start making those gases. Just you wait. Thankfully, Puro Air uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. You wouldn't drink unfiltered tap water, so why would you breathe unfiltered air? Thanks to my Puro Air Purifier, I feel like I can breathe again. Check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Check it out now. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we are so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. Each year, millions of Americans face the reality of living with mental health challenges. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Last year, Christian Appalachian Project, CAP, provided essential mental health services to more than 900 individuals in eastern Kentucky. Did you know that there is one quarter the number of mental health providers in that region compared to the national average? That presents a challenge to anyone seeking access to mental health professionals. CAP serves families and helps children who are dealing with the impacts of a variety of types of trauma. Counselors with Christian Appalachian Project often serve individuals with chronic, multi-layered issues. Recently, CAP's Family Life Counseling Services expanded into additional Appalachian counties. These caring counselors are committed to the value of the individual, the importance of families, and the wisdom of spiritual beliefs and principles. This work changes lives, strengthens communities, and creates a ripple effect for generations to come. Won't you help us recognize the importance of mental health by donating to CAP today? Please visit christianapp.org slash mentalhealthtsf. That's christianapp.org slash mentalhealthtsf. Parents and actors Jasmine Simon and Dulé Hill offer beautiful and inspiring affirmations in their new children's book, Repeat After Me. This tender book tells children about the magic of self-love and standing firm regardless of outside voices and doubt. You may know them from watching Psych, or perhaps you may remember him from the West Wing. We are so thrilled to have Jasmine Simon and Dulé Hill with us today. We are so excited, not just to spend time with the two of you, but to get to talk about your new children's book. And before we do that, which we are so, I mean, working with kids this many years and just wanting their confidence and their identity to be poured into, we just, we love, repeat after me, mm -hmm. I love the subtitle too, big things to say every day. So we're going to talk about that. Okay. But first, we'd love to hear a little bit about the two of you about your growing up, about finding your way to acting and meeting each other. Well, about us, we are exhausted. <laughs> yes. Which I'm pretty sure that every parent of a three-year-old is exhausted. That's yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> we are Not with you. Truth. We are tied. We took our son, Levi, to Legoland yesterday. And so we are literally, he's had a two week spring break, which seems very rude. <laughs> <laughs> it seems, oh, yes. It's a little rude. Yeah. I'm like, 
I was dismayed when I saw that it was two weeks, but um, we are exhausted. But yes, Dulé and I, we have completely different upbringings that brought us to the same place, which is I was raised by my grandparents and Dulé was raised in a two parent home. And so our two lives intersected, luckily. And it intersected on a on a television show called Ballers. Uh, by this up and coming uh, actor that you all may have heard of by the name of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I think he has a bright future ahead. Of you can Google him. You might find, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> you find one or two things yeah. about the guy. But yeah, so we met on the pilot of Ballers. And I like to say that God definitely had a hand. It was serendipitous. I was mm-hmm. supposed to be there for two days to shoot my stuff. It was We sh- shot in Miami, Florida, and I live in Los Angeles. Dulé was on a Broadway play. Mm-hmm. after midnight at the time. And I was supposed to be there two days. I flew out on a Monday. I was supposed to shoot on Tuesday and fly home on a Wednesday. And on Tuesday, I was went through hair and makeup and sat in my trailer all day. And they knocked on the door and said, unfortunately, we're not going to get to you today. You're going to have to be here for two weeks. We're going to shoot you at the end of, wow. yeah, at the end of the pilot. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so <laughs> I quickly arranged childcare for Kennedy And I sat in Florida for two weeks. Now, this was on a Tuesday. By the following Monday, I was so stir crazy. I knew no one in Miami except the people that I worked with. And so on that Monday, I called production and I said, listen, I am really bored in this hotel room. Can you guys pick me up so I can have lunch and just like watch other people work? And they said, yeah, we'll pick you up. And they picked me up for lunch and I walked into the lunch tent And the guy playing my husband on Ballers, his name is Omar Benson Miller, who is a phenomenal actor and a dear friend. He was sitting at lunch next to Dulé. And I was like, hey, with my lunch, I'm not joking, with my lunch tray. (laughs) And I said, hey, can I sit and have lunch with you guys? And they were like, yeah, come sit down. And I had never met Dulé, but we have a mutual friend who actually created his new show, The Wonder Years, which airs on ABC. His name is Saladin Patterson. And I was like, oh, I think we have a mutual friend Saladin. And he was like, oh yeah. And so we sat down and he took a picture of me and sent it to Saladin. I was like, look who's here. And Saladin said, stay away from her. She's a nice girl. (laughs) 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 And as they say, the rest is history. Mm -hmm. We were friends for a solid year and a half. And when I say Mm -hmm. friends, I mean, no handholding, side hugs only, no kissing, nothing, nothing for one and a half years. And we got to know the deepest, darkest corners of each other. We got to know each other just as friends. I like to say no representative showed up. It was just us because we were just friends. I I told everyone on the show that I wasn't dating anybody on the show. I'm not dating anyone here because I was the only lady on the show and it was all guys and me. And I thought I got this job fair and square and I don't want anybody to think otherwise. So I'm off limits. And I told Dulé that I was off limits. And he's like, I only guest star on this show. So I, I come and go. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, I completely agree. I, I you definitely count. shouldn't date any of your series regular cast members. <laughs> I'm not a series regular. He said, I am a cur on this show. And so after one and a half years of knowing each other, we, you know how Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin had a conscious uncoupling? Dulé and I had a conscious coupling. Like we knew (laughs) everything about each other already. He was already deeply in love with Kennedy and she was 10 at the time. Mm, Actually, Kennedy told her aunt, I don't know why my mom doesn't just date Dulé because she had got to know him as a friend as well. So it was a very wonderful, beautiful process. And that was eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we have been together eight years where celebrating our fifth wedding anniversary in a couple of days. And it was all, oh, congratulations, if, if I would have y'all. shot that and flew home, we would have never, we'd have never crossed paths. We would have right. never. Cause we didn't, we, even the first season of the show, we, first two. we never worked together. First, first two, two seasons. seasons. Right. Exactly. And, wow. and then once everyone knew that we were a couple, then they wrote scenes for us in the third season. And then Dulé left the show because oh. he had a show shooting a different show doubt on CBS. So he could not, he couldn't commit to it any longer. So they wrote a couple scenes for us and that was it. But we would have had no other reason to cross paths if not for, for that. So I often think about that and thank God that in that moment that it all mm-hmm. went the way that I thought it shouldn't have went because I was stressed out. 
but I got Dulé out of it and he got me. That's right. (laughs) And he got Mm. you. That's good. The days that she's like, you know, in love with me, then she's very thankful. The days that she's annoyed with me, she kind of wonders what choices she's making. Hey, I would like, I would like, I would like everyone listening. I would like everyone listening. You know, I love him every single day. I love him every single day. But as every mother and wife listening knows that your husband oftentimes just works that nerve. It's just like one nerve. They just like to like, they like to work it, you know? And so I love him regardless of that nerve, just feeling work. (laughs) Y'all are so fun. I love that story. And and it is a picture of the two of you have been a part of countless shows yes. that we have loved and enjoyed. And mm. Dulé, we could not miss an opportunity to tell you that The West Wing is in our top 10 favorite shows of all time. Oh, wow. And you received an Emmy nomination for your role as Charlie Young on that incredible show. Would you tell us just a favorite memory from your years on that show? I mean, there's so many. To say, like, favorite is kind of hard, I would say. From a performance standpoint, a storytelling standpoint, there's one, which is an episode that was called Shibboleth, which is where Martin Sheen gave Charlie the knives of Paul Revere. Mm. I truly loved the way Aaron crafted that story. I really appreciated the dynamic that occurred between President Bartlett and Charlie Young because it went from an employee and employer to more like a father and son relationship really solidified that. And that was really something that was happening off screen that Aaron, I felt, reflected on screen, and I really, really was thankful for that moment. Another moment that I have to point out, though, is I think it's called Let Bartlett Be Bartlett. I believe that's the name of the episode. And the scene between John Spencer and Martin Sheen, and Laura Ennis was directing it. And I'm in the scene. I don't say a thing. I'm just by the wall. <laughs> I get to watch the whole scene because I'm in it. And they started so loud and like, ah, like yelling at each other and really going at each other's throats. And I was like, wow, these two guys are acting. This is what acting is. And Laura kept doing takes, kept doing takes and pulled away all of the extra stuff. And by the end, it was really more of a conversation, but it was so powerful and so moving. I learned so much as an actor in that moment. And it has stayed with me Mm. of just knowing how to craft performance just by being able to be a fly on the wall. And I will admit, initially, I was kind of annoyed that I had to come to work and just stand there and not say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Against the wall, sure. But afterwards, I realized how valuable of a time that was. Mm. So I learned also that just because going into it doesn't appear to be something that could be of real value, don't take anything lightly. Mm. Because yes, you had no lines, but that scene probably taught me more about being an actor than any other scene that I was able to do throughout the course of my time on the West Wing. Wow. Wow. I would like to say that I'm also grateful for the West Wing, which I had, I was a child. Okay. I was just being born when the West Wing was out. I'm his child. I'm just joking. I'm not that young. But I was not born yet. The West Wing cast are all extremely close. Mm. And Mm. I have gotten to become extremely close with them as well. And that is the best gift outside of my children that Dulé has given me as well. Like they are all wow. really close. They have a West Wing chat group and I'm on it. Oh, I know. Good. I'm like, I will hit the jackpot here. What you see on TV is only a fraction of like the love that they continue mm. to have for each other through the years. So mm. and it's pretty amazing. I mean, the show has ended in 2006, I believe. Wow. And we're now in 2023. And the fact that I would overtly say that we are closer now than we were back then. I think really is a testament to the character of all the people who were part of that show yes. and the love that still yes. endures. Do y'all get to see each other? Oh, Allison was just at her house. Yep. Uh-huh. We were actually just at her house at yep. this past Sunday. Wow. Yeah. Levi, he, he loves his auntie Allison. And favorite. More importantly, he loves her new dog. Oh, that's <laughs> great. I mean, beautiful. Uncle yeah. Richard, Richard yep. Schiff was here mm-hmm. before he went back. To shoot more of The Good Doctor. Melissa Fitzgerald. Melissa Fitzgerald Mm -hmm. is a dear, dear, dear friend. And Auntie Melissa, we'll see her in a couple weeks in D.C. Mary McCormick. Mm -hmm. I call myself their fourth sibling. (laughs) And all the other, her brother and sister know that I am the fourth. The fourth McCormick. Yes. The fourth McCormick. (laughs) And so, I mean, Brad, Josh, Melina, they're all just Mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Every time I get to see Martin, I'm just like awestruck. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they are really... Mm -hmm. A family. Yep. Side note, Josh Molina is back on Broadway, everybody, wow. in, in case anybody wants to know. 
<laughs> He's doing a phenomenal job right now. So go check him out. What's he in? Leopold? Leopold Stat or something okay. like that. You know, it's a really hard name. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a hard name. We can name. find it. But I, I hear he's doing wonderful work. And the fact that uh, Brad Whitford, I think, will be praising his work says a lot. Mm. <laughs> they, have the funniest, they have the funniest relationship. I'm telling you, to be a fly on the wall with this group is just, <laughs> I learn a lot just by breathing the same air. Aww, they are ridiculous. That's so fun. That. Me so too. Much. That's so fun. I will say that my husband, when he got nominated for the West Wing, he was the youngest black man oh, to ever be nominated mm-hmm. for Emmy. Wow. In, in supporting in the supporting category. category. That's amazing. And the fifth youngest person overall. Wow. The fifth. Yeah. Thank you for telling that. That's Thank so you. cool. Yes. <laughs> I'm his publicist. I, I tell all the good things. <laughs> I, well, I'll say that I was on the press line that day at the Emmys. And of course, it's a very wonderful feeling. It's like, this is crazy. I'm here. Nominated for an Emmy. Mm. And John Spencer comes up to me and he's just so happy to see me. And he's like, oh, he's like, oh, congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> and he said, this is the first of many, the first of many. Oh, enjoy it. You know, I'm just taking it in. I'm saying, well, John Spencer says this is the first of many. So nominations, here we come. <laughs> that was like 24 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's say 19 years ago or something, <laughs> something like that. They said, John, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for that second nomination. <laughs> <laughs> It's coming. It's coming. We it's feel coming. confident. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But John, uh, I miss John so very much. He was a lovely soul. He's a magnificent being. And that was the year that he won the Emmy. But he was so happy for me. Mm-hmm. And it was a genuine happiness. Wow. You know, he wasn't caught up in, well, I've been doing this for so long and it should be me and this and that. And he was just very genuinely happy to see a young actor getting the light shown on him at that particular time. But things like that, how he handled himself, how Martin Sheen handled himself. These are all things that I take along the way. Martin was somebody who is a fan of humanity. Mm. He's not a subjector of persons. He doesn't say, okay, oh, well, you are so-and-so and so-and-so, so I'm going to give you a lot of attention. And you, I don't recognize you, so I'm going to just pass you by. Mm. That's not Martin. Martin will give every person the equal amount of time, the equal amount of energy, Respect. and genuinely be engaged in everybody who he meets. Yeah. And I have to always applaud him for that because that's something that I've, I try to take along the way with me as well. Mm. He does. <clears throat> he does. Well, He's a great person. We can tell just already from our conversation with both of you that that's a part of who both of you are. So thank you. We try. We do definitely, definitely try yeah. to be the mm. best and have respect for everybody. We realize that everybody got to this moment by going through a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so if you keep that in mind, like, it takes some of the heat off of anything. Yes. You don't know what five minutes prior happened to a person before they are face to face with you. Mm-hmm. So we do definitely try to take a breath. It's not always easy, but we do always try. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I, I think digressing a little bit, like we need more love in this world. Yes. We need more engagement. We need more connectivity. Empathy. Empathy. That's the word. <clears throat> I sure hear empathy from what y'all are saying. Yes. yes. For where people are, what they've gone through. And I think if we can collectively do that, then we could make a little difference mm. in the world. Because I think people are hurting and people just want to be honored and respected for who they are, mm. who they are and where they are, and not be forced to conform to what other Anything. people say they should be. Yes. I think we need to do more of that in, in, the, in world. the world. It's a game of inches. It's just a game of inches. We just need to get there inch by inch. Mm. And so we leave it up to our children because our race is almost done. Mm. And so we have to just raise a generation of children that are aware of that. And so when we pass the baton to them, that they know the direction in which to run and how to run that race. Y'all, that's beautiful. We were not raised this way, right? We just weren't. Like some of the things that our children, especially Kennedy, who's 18, talks about, it's like she's more worldwise than us Mm. because our world was closed off in a way. Right. So much more isolated. And so she teaches us a lot about empathy. She teaches us a lot about open-mindedness. And we are very open-minded people, but even we have our own unconscious biases that we have to like work through and like realize that we weren't raised like that. So we need to take another look at that and see how we saw it and how are we able to see it from a different direction. So I think one thing we got to give ourselves grace and we have to give ourselves room to like grow. Mm, like if there is no growth, then it's just death, you know? Yes. 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 
Are you interested in pursuing a career centered on the healing and wholeness of individuals, couples, and families? At Fuller's Master of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy program, you can work alongside a supportive community of faculty and students who are committed to the formation of heart, soul, and mind to further God's mission of redeeming the world. Fuller provides students with the clinical training to become skilled marriage and family therapists. You will have the opportunity to engage in a broad range of therapeutic and spiritual formation practices, including exercises that simulate the counseling experience in real time. Licensed faculty members help equip students for their career and connect them with internships. Fuller students are not only widely recognized as the best trained in their field, but also have one of the highest pass rates for the state licensing exam. If you feel passionate about becoming an agent of healing and reconciliation in the world, go to fuller.edu slash Raising Boys and Girls to learn more about Fuller's MS in Marriage and Family Therapy program. David, did you get your taxes finished? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what are you eating? Okay, I am obsessed with these new Chipotle barbecue kettle chips. Will you share? I would have, but they are all gone. Where did you get them? Thrive Market. Uh, how much do we love Thrive Market? I could record an entire podcast about that topic. You know who else loves Thrive Market? Patches. She loves the surf and turf meaty littles from the Honest Kitchen. I love that Patches has a surf and turf situation going on. <laughs> from pets to kids to grown-ups, everyone can find things they love at Thrive. Thrive Market is my go-to for all my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstep is a huge time saver. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and I can use their on-site filters to suit my lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single grocery order. On average, I save over 30% each time. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of my favorite brands. David, how much did you save on your last order? I saved $32. I saved over $12.67. How much did Patches save? <laughs> a lot. She's ordering more than I am. You got me hooked on ordering frozen foods. I got salmon, bacon, and pork this month. Something else I love is when you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. I love that too. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash RBG for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash RBG. Thrivemarket.com slash RBG. You are in kind of a unique situation with your beautiful family of having a teenager, almost adult, really an adult, and a toddler. And what would y'all say are the joys and challenges in both of those stages? The main joy, Kennedy is a touch under 15 years older than Levi. So we just round up to 15. She's 15 years older. And so Levi has the gift of having two mothers, one fun mom and Kennedy who cannot tell him no. And then me, who seems like all I do is tell him no. <laughs> and then a father who's right in the middle of the two. And so, you know, I think the joy for us collectively is seeing those two together. Mm -hmm. like we went to Legoland yesterday and Kennedy was like, send me pictures with him on the cars. Aww. And so then I FaceTime her at college for her to watch her little brother on the car. So that is really like the highlight, there is no sibling rivalry. Mm. And look, I'm going to be honest, you guys are both psychologists. Like when we first had Levi, it was a touch of an issue. 
because Dulé had adopted Kennedy. We have a lot going on in our family. We have adoption and mixed families, which we don't believe in mixed families. Like you guys are siblings and we are your parents. And that's just the beginning and the end of it. It's not like we're hiding anything, but that's just what it is. And so we had gotten married. Her adoption was finalized, you know, and then we got pregnant with Levi and I was really sick throughout the pregnancy, which kind of upset her because I'm her pillar of strength for her whole life. And then I'm Mm. sick. I had hyperemesis. And so I was really ill. Yeah. For the entire time until he was delivered. Yeah. I should have called you guys because it was tough. (laughs) It was, it was like mentally very taxing on my mind because to wake up and I have the utmost empathy for anyone battling long-term illnesses. Mm. You know, it was only nine months of my life, but it was nine months of my life and people that are battling cancer or unknown illnesses. And my heart goes out to them because you just feel like giving up. But nonetheless, so when he was first born, she had a challenge and we did the responsible thing, the thing that neither one of us were raised to do. And we got her a psychologist. Mm. And we said, you go once a week and you talk to somebody and you figure it out outside of us because we cannot help you through this. We can only love you through this. And so- Mm. She went to a psychologist, shout out to Dr. Howard, Mm -hmm. you know, and she still is with her to this day. Awesome. And so if something comes up for her, because we are in an age where children suicide is on the uptick. Right. And we are in an age of overwhelming sadness for young people. And so we wanted to not be a problem, but be a solution. Mm -hmm. And so we did get her therapy. I'd like to say there is nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of people, we did not grow up that way, right? That was not the way to like put your kids in therapy. It's like, there's nothing wrong here. So nonetheless, that is the biggest joy for me is to see the two of them together. Mm. I think you should always know, I feel as a parent or a spouse or a friend is to know what's above your pay grade. Right. Yes. You have to know that like these things I have the answers for, this stuff I do not. Mm. And I always like to say, I, I like to know what I know and then know what I don't know. And when I understand what I don't know, I find somebody who does. Yes. And so in a situation, even at that age with Kennedy, this was above our pay grade. Mm. Let's get somebody who can really help you and us work through this Mm. in the most powerful and efficient way. The other thing that I will say, jumping track a little bit, that the age gap really teaches you is to enjoy the moments because of how fast you realize how fast it goes. Mm. I'll never forget it was Levi's first day of preschool. It was so cinematic. You couldn't, I, you, you couldn't really couldn't it better. any better. <clears throat> we drop him off at school. We're there. It's his first day. It's like, oh my gosh, taking video and this and that. And then Jasmine and I are driving back home. We're driving down this road. We're just taking in the moment. And as we're driving down the road, we see at the end of the road, a car pass by. And it's our daughter driving herself to her last, her senior last like, year, senior high year of high school. school. Mm-hmm. It's like we we're like, Whoa. oh my gosh, that that was Kennedy yeah. just driving by. Wow! So you have one you just dropped off in his first day, and now you see your daughter mm-hmm. driving to her senior year of high school. Oh my goodness! So you realize there is a time where this young man is going to be at this place, mm-hmm. you know, uh, God willing, mm-hmm. yes. and then take it all in stride and realize that it happens very quickly. Mm-hmm. Now I will say that is the joy, right? Seeing them together. The challenge is that three year olds are like, it's like an abusive relationship. You know, it's like, it's like, I give, I give, I give. He takes, he takes, he takes. He's unreasonable. You know, he doesn't want to take a nap, but he needs one. Yes, That doesn't do parents. Anybody that's listening, that 15 years, nothing changed. (laughs) Three-year-olds are still the boss. And that didn't change. That did not change. But, you know, I think for me, a challenge was saying goodbye to Kennedy. Sure. I think for the first quarter of college, I cried every day. Mm. Like I would sit on the couch and our house just seemed empty because Levi would go to bed at seven o'clock and then it was Dulé and I like <laughs> looking at each other, like, you want to watch something on TV? That was challenging. And then like Dulé said, but then it gives us more patience with Levi. I often feel like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this my whole life. And that is the truth. And anybody that has a big age gap, my heart goes out to you because there is a moment that you realize that you will not have your house to yourself 
for 15 more years. And that is hard. Mm. We were in Vancouver shooting Psych 3. And I was sitting there and I thought, Levi was there with us. And I thought, oh my gosh, for 17 more years, I'm going to be doing this. And I started to cry. Mm. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and so that is a challenge. But then on the other side of that, I know that it went so fast. Mm. I know how to apologize quicker. I know how to love harder. I know that all the things that I quote unquote didn't do right with Kennedy, I get to redo that. And that is a gift. Mm. The wisdom comes with age. So that has been helpful Mm. to get through the fact that I will not be an empty nester. Mm. You know, I'll have grandkids. You know, I might have grandkids. I'm never going to be alone, which is good, you know? (laughs) That is beautiful. Okay, two things I want to say back to y'all. One, the long story of their age gap. I have a sister who is 16 years younger, and it's just the two of Mm. us. And y'all, she is my best friend in the entire world. Mm. So adulthood is awesome as far as their relationship. Yeah, and it's been the sweetest thing all along the way. And number two, she now has a four-year-old little guy. We're about to go to Legoland. And... I totally agree your perspective, but we need to send you a copy. David has a wonderful book called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. Yes. That we want to send you a copy of. Please. Yes, please. We will put it in the mail to you. Yes. We will. Oh, yes. It's wonderful. Thank you. We would love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of emotional, again, wisdom. Mm. We do a lot of emotional work with Levi. We had a two and a half hour drive back from Legoland yesterday, and he was in the back seat and he started to roar. <laughs> I said, "Do we have a lion or a T Rex in the car?" He said, "Oh, I'm just I'm feeling angry." Mm, and so we said, good. "Well, why?" He's like, "Because this is such a long drive." <laughs> but he was able to like, and then he just went back to whatever mm, else he was doing. But it's beautiful. We would love that gift and. We would love any resources to continue to raise him to be an emotionally available man. Right. Mm. Love that. So I love good. Because oftentimes we're not inspired to deal with our emotions. Mm. I think, feel like society hasn't really set us up to be, as, as men anyway, to be, yeah, share your emotions. It's okay. Like, you can talk to somebody and say, this is how I'm feeling. I always try to, I guess, reinforce inside Levi when he does want to express his emotion, that that's a valid feeling and... I get it. It's, it's a long time and you're feeling impatient. Yes. And like, I feel impatient all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it is frustrating. And sometimes you do feel angry and it's okay. What a gift you are giving him. I love that. Yes. The first but, two years of his life, we used to tell him every day, it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. Good. It's okay to cry. Because you know that sometimes tell boys, don't cry. Yes. Like, you man up, right. you yeah. don't cry. And we thought we will never tell him that. Mm. It's okay to cry. And lately it's like, okay, get it all out. Right. <laughs> you know, he cries every day nope. but for I, cookies now. Yeah. I look forward to reading that book, though. It's, again, one of those moments where knowing what you know and then knowing what you don't know, and then when you don't, find somebody book. who does. <laughs> yes. So I look forward to reading that book to be able to give tools mm. along the way of, of how to do it, because you really don't want to mess it up. I mean, in life, you're always going to mess certain things up. I think love can cover the trip ups along the way. Yes. But I, would, I look forward to having that tool in my back pocket to be able to hopefully be able to apply in the right way. You are kind. Well, thank you, David. you are kind to say <laughs> yes. it. It's coming your way. Thank All right. You. And speaking of children and speaking of books, Jasmine, this is your second children's book. Will you tell us first about Most Perfect You and then about Repeat After Me? Yes. What do you hope kids and parents take away from reading your books? So Most Perfect You was the first book of mine that was published, but the second book that I wrote. I actually wrote Repeat After Me first. They were like a couple of days apart, but like twins, one came out first. (laughs) And Repeat After Me came out of my heart first, and then Most Perfect You. But Most Perfect You was a story, and it's easier to enter the marketplace with a story when you're not a psychologist or MD or something. And so... For me, Most Perfect You was an entry point, and it's about a little girl who doesn't like something about herself, and she expresses to her mother that she doesn't like something about herself, and her mother goes on to acknowledge that she doesn't like that about herself, but then also reminds her that every single thing about her that she got to pick, 
and that she saw everything. She had an entree to every single thing in the world. And the, she picked every part of her specifically just to teach this child that she was special and specific mm. and she wasn't on accident and that her mother loved her enough to like pick all these things. And she just basically had a conversation with God and was like, this is what I want. And at the end of the book, she tells her little girl that she wasn't made to be like anyone else. She was just made to be her and that she hopes that she can see what she sees in her. And at the end of the book, of course, the little girl goes to the mirror and she's able to recognize the beauty in her, not in comparison to anyone else, but just for the individual that she is. And I think that that was a really important message. And it was a message that I had given to Kennedy when she was about Levi's age. And she had told me that she wanted to be pretty and that in order to do that, that she needed her skin to be white. Mm. And so this was something that I often say, I don't know how it came out of me, but it did. And I told her, well, you know, I understand that, but I talked to God. Mm. And when I talked to him, I asked him for your skin to be the exact color that it is because it was my favorite. Uh, And then we went piece by piece. And I said, I know, you know, sometimes I'm like, thank you, God, that in that moment, because again, it could have went any way. But I told her all that. And three or four year old Kennedy sat in the back seat, and she was like, okay. Mm. And later in life, she admitted that, of course, she came up against that at other times of her life. But she never will forget that moment that her mother told her that she picked her and that if she doesn't like it, she's sorry, but I love it. Mm. And so that was the first book, Most Perfect You. And I will say that, I mean, it's right there. There she is. That's little Mm. Irie. Kennedy's name is Kennedy Irie. Mm. So that little girl's name is Irie. And I will say that that book is for everybody. I've spoke about this. The book is almost one year old. On Dulé's birthday, May 3rd, the book will be one. And anytime that I speak of this book, I remind anyone listening or anyone buying books that although it has a little black girl on the book, that this is a book for everybody. And for the majority of Kennedy's life, every single book that I bought her had a little white girl, but she never counted herself out. Mm. She never thought, oh, this book must, Pinkalicious isn't for me, (laughs) which was her favorite. Pinkalicious, Purplicious, and also Silverlicious, shout out to the author of that book, because I read that every single day for three years. (laughs) But she never thought, oh, this book isn't for me because I am not the right color. Mm. And so I want every parent to know that you can buy a book for the message that's in the book and not what's on the Mm. cover of the book. And so the second book, Repeat After Me, I mean, I really need to thank my children for all of this because they are the motivation for everything that we do. But when Kennedy was also little, shortly after she told me that she didn't love herself the way she was, I started doing affirmations with her every single day. And when Dulé joined our life, then he became a part of the process. So We dropped her off at school every single day until she got a car. And every single day, we would go over a list of affirmations before she hit the door. I'm loved. I'm special. I am intelligent. I'm capable. Whatever it was that in her growth from a three-year-old to a 16-year-old when she was done needing a ride from us, we would just go through these affirmations. And during the year of 2020, it was just so much going on, as we all can recognize. We saw people dropping dead from COVID, which was just horrendous. Our kids couldn't go to school. It was very isolating. And then as Black parents, we went through the publicized murder of George Floyd. Now, everybody dealt with that differently. But for us, we had a 16-year-old Black daughter who had to see that over and over. And Dulé and I were like, we need to talk. And we had a little baby who was you know, eight months old at the time. And we thought, He's also watching this TV. We don't know what he's taking in from this. So we started turning it off when he was awake. That was the first thing. Like we didn't want him to rash images in his mind. Mm-hmm. And then with Kennedy, Dulé was like, we need to talk to her and see if she's okay. We can't assume that she's okay. And so we had called her upstairs and we said, how are you doing? A lot is going on. COVID is scary. You have a really challenging school still that you have to do online, isolated in your room. And then you have this. And then she's like, I'm fine. And her dad was like, no, but that's not what we're asking you. Mm. We're asking you, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And she burst into tears, Mm. like 
Like she was waiting for someone mm-hmm. to ask her how she was actually doing. And it was like such a heartbreaking moment that I turned to Dulé after we comforted her and talked to her through this because you think 16, but she's still a child. Mm. She still needed to be like worked through it and feel safe. And we turned to one another and I said, we need to write a children's book. And I said, yep. I'm not joking. <laughs> wow. I said, we need to let children know that they are okay, mm. that they are okay, that they are loved and that they are capable. And for our children, that they're not what they see on TV. Mm. Like we need to write this book. And I am not joking. I went to our kitchen junk drawer. Okay. Everybody has a junk right. drawer. I went to our kitchen's junk drawer. I opened it up and I got a notepad out and a pen and I sat back on the couch and I said, okay, go, what are we going to write? And then I just started like jotting stuff down and I had went to my, our room and I thought, okay, now how do I want this to go? And I thought, what has helped Kennedy and what can help Levi affirmations. And so then I started writing like little poems for affirmation. And I thought, I don't want it to just be a book of affirmations. Anybody can say I am loved, but how do we explain to an eight month old or a nine month old or a two year old? What does love mean? Mm. What does capable mean? What does brave mean? And so me and Dula, I said, okay, come on, think of something. You're like a foot musician. You're a tap dancer. You know, you know, rhythm. Like, let's <laughs> help me, help me make things rhyme. <laughs> and then we wrote the book. Wow. We wrote it just like that. We like sat down. And we wrote that it. That day, it took, just in that period of time. That day. Wow. I wish that I was joking. It was like, all right, let's go. Come on, chap, chap, top. And I would go to the room and I'd write something. I'd come back and I'd say, go, help me make this one better. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how do we articulate this more? And we started with a lot of affirmations. And I'm like, okay, this is too many. So let's whittle it down. And I think at the time we had 15. Mm. And then so we massaged it and we worked on it. And I said, now we need to sell this book. And I said, and I remember saying, I don't care if I make $1 off of this book, but some child will need to read this. Yes. And Dulé was like, all right. And so then we got to it and, you know, sent it to a couple people. And, and so let me tell you though, this is how God works. And I, and I mean this. So I sent it to an agent and it was right before 4th of July. So this is the beginning of the pandemic. This is like the middle of the thick of it. And I sent it to her and she's like, I'm going to be gone for like seven days on vacation. I'll read it when I come back. And I said, okay, great. Thank you. I put it in a PowerPoint slide. I was like, college is going to pay off here. Did a PowerPoint slide, <laughs> every page of the book. I'm not joking. I'm like, this is what I think the illustration would be. And I sent it to her. She'll be back in a week. And I said, okay. And in that week, I wrote Most Perfect You. Like in that, I had, mm-hmm. had time. I was like, well, sh-. and so I said, Julie, should I also send her the second book? I know she's on vacation. And Dulé said, of course you should. Show her what you can do. And he gave me all the little push. And I and I emailed him. I was like, hey, I know you're still on vacation, but I also wrote this other book. <laughs> Just in the last few days. So I've been waiting. In the last eight, four <laughs> eight hours. Wow. And as they say, the rest is history again. And she was like, yeah, the entry point for you would be most perfect to you because it's a story that everybody can like grasp onto. That's how it happened. Sissy, I have been recommending the Jesus Revolution movie to everyone lately. Me too. It's such an inspiring true story of the Jesus movement that swept the nation in the 1970s, starting in Southern California at a little church called Calvary Chapel. I love how they show the life of young Greg Laurie searching for meaning in all the wrong places, getting caught up in the hippie movement. It was Lonnie Frisbee and Pastor Chuck Smith that made such a difference in Laurie's life. You know how we talk about kids and teens needing people on their team? Greg Laurie's team changed his life and the life of so many others. When Lonnie and Chuck Smith opened the church to the barefoot, long-haired, drug-addled hippies of Southern California, it led to a revival that would change the world. The Jesus Revolution film is rated PG-13 and makes for great conversations with your older kids about the impact of our decisions, peer pressure, forgiveness, and second chances. I love that it stars Kimberly Williams Paisley and Kelsey Grammer, two of my favorites. Gather your friends and family for a movie night to enjoy Jesus Revolution, available now on demand, digital, Blu-ray, and DVD. Visit JesusRevolution.movie to learn more. Again, that's JesusRevolution.movie. 
that was a long winded way to say that it really, truly came from a place deep in our heart that we wanted children to know they are not the worst of themselves. Mm. They are not the worst that they see. They are not the worst that they hear. They are not the worst. They are the best Mm. of themselves and that it takes them knowing it and saying it. So not being a psychologist, but I did read that saying affirmations in first persons help rewire your brain to believe it. And so that's why I started doing it with Kennedy because I thought, okay, she obviously is not loving herself in the way that I would want her to love herself. So how do I help her through this affirmations? And, you know, 16 years later, when Penn went to paper for this book, I thought, how can we help kids know bullies are going to be out there, unfortunately, scary things are going to be out there, mass shootings and murders on TV and racism and hatred and bigotry. All this is in the world. Now, how do we help our kids? Mm. Because we can't make that go away by snapping our finger. Mm. But what we can do is equip our children to know that they are loved, that they are gifted, that they are important, that they are enough. We can give them that. And that's what this book is. And that's how we wrote it. Oh, (laughs) y'all. You know, both books have a theme of filling children up with value. Mm letting them know that they are perfect exactly the way that they are, letting them know that they are powerful, letting them know that they are more than enough, letting them know that they are light and that they are good and that they add value to the world. And I feel like there's this quote that I say oftentimes, I say, if I can get a billion people to move a billion stones, then we can move a mountain. Mm. And I feel that both of these books is moving a stone along the way. If we can just fill children up to own, to learn their value, and accept their value, then maybe those same children can see the value in others. Maybe that might make one less bully. Maybe that might make one person say, there's another way because I have value. I don't need to go to this extreme. I have value to add in a different way. We may never know really the value that these stories add to the world, but you have to take steps along the way. We're hopeful. We're hopeful as you take steps along the way that this will encourage some people to know to accept their worth and believe in their worth and honor their worth. I, I remember I sat on the couch and I said, but if a bully, like bullies don't come from thin <clears> air, <throat> like people are hurt and hurt people mm, hurt people. Yes. I said to Dulé, I said, now if a bully knew that they were loved, just knew it, mm. just like, like knew it, would they hurt people? Maybe not. So let's try to help that kid. Yes. That's mm. what I, let's try to help like that one kid. We, put a lot of work into our children. They are our life's work Mm -hmm. outside of the shows and the books and everything. Our two children will be the history that we make for good or for bad. So we're putting every, we're betting on them. We're like, we're putting all our chips on you. And so in doing so, we want to make sure that our children are filled with love and light. But the two of us have very different upbringings right? And I did not grow up in a world that I was filled with light. Mm. He was, he had two strong parents that instilled love and he knew that he can do it. And that unfortunately, and fortunately wasn't my lot in life. And so I know what being hurt is. I know what a missing parent does to a child. Mm. And I know that there are people like me, there are children like me that need a reminder that they are good enough, that even if the worst hand has been dealt to you, that there is somebody in this world that thinks that you are perfect. And it is me. It is us. We believe that. And if there is a teacher at a school that can read these books, even if the parents don't, then maybe, just maybe, they will start to believe the words that are in there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say maybe. We are confident they will believe the words that are in there. And I wish they could hear the two of you say them. Because your thoughtfulness and intentionality and passion in what you're trying to speak into the lives of kids. I mean, it is so obvious and such a gift. We just are incredibly grateful for your work. Oh, wow. So grateful. Which is why it's even more hurtful for us and you when we have shootings that hurt children. Right? Because... It is like our life's work Mm. to help our children and now to help other children. And it's like, 
if we could have got to that girl, oh, I like, if we could have spoke to her, if we could have said, listen, we see you and we love you. And listen, it's hard and life is hard, but you don't have to do this. People can see value in you, even if it doesn't seem like it. What could have changed, right? What could have been? And there is no excuse for what she did. There is no excuse for hurting anybody, especially children. There is no excuse. But you have to know that she was a person and that she grew into the person that she became. And like along the way, if I could get in the time machine, I would have tried. Yes. Like I would have. I would have been like, hold on, let me find you. I believe it. Yep. And let me give you a hug. Yeah. Because my life also has not been, I have not lived your life, but my life also has not been easy. And I love to say, it is not where you start. It is where you finish Mm. and you have a long race to run. So let's get it together right here. Know that I will cheer for you. I tell people all the time, if you feel depressed, send me a message. I don't read my direct messages often, but when I do, then I will get back to you. Just hold on. Mm. Like, just hold on. There is somebody out there that does care. I did not have to have you. I don't even have to know you, Mm. but I love you. Mm. And that is like what is missing. And I accept you. Like, look, this bumps up against our religion, right? It does. And like, there's people out there that will have, I don't care. Mm. Couldn't care less. My Bible tells me the first person who's without sin is supposed to cast the first stone. So I'm going to back up. I'm going to back up way, (laughs) way far back because I know, I know the life that I've lived. I'm like, I was in college. (laughs) If anybody's calculating time, I graduated college with a baby in my belly. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no shame in anything. Mm. And so I like to say, and we put an action that we love everybody. Mm not in despite of who they are, but because of who they are. And I think that we just really need to build that foundation over and over and over. And I mentioned it in passing in the beginning, like we were raised differently and we were in the eighties. We weren't thinking about all the things that we are thinking about. And we weren't accepting of all the things that we are thankfully accepting as just life. And I think that If children are hurting, it is our job as an adult to accept them how they are, to not change a single thing. Mm -hmm. Most perfect you is about not changing a single thing and knowing that you are perfect. I may not agree with it. I don't have to. Mm -hmm. I love you. And I think, you know, that's really, it's an exhausting thing to talk about. I'm sure you all, it's just like exhausting. Mm -hmm. The four of us can't do the work by ourselves, but we are trying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And knowing that there is a lot of darkness in the world and being so grateful for people like you who are sharing a lot of light. And I think being aware of that darkness, and you're already doing it. I mean, our hope is to speak truth into that. And I think in our business of kids who are struggling emotionally and feel lost and anxious and depressed, we always want kids to arm themselves with truth. We want parents to arm themselves with, with truth. And parents seem to be more anxious and more discouraged and feel like failures more than ever before. And so we would love if each of you would say something that feels true for you, a truth that you hang on to that undergirds who you are as people and as parents. I said it earlier, and I'm truly believing that, that love covers all. Mm. I, that, that is a truth. Yeah. If I can just love you, mm. I don't need to know, have all the answers. I can make a million mistakes, but if I can love you, Love will fill you up. Love will be the wind at your back. Love will be the thing that blasts you forward into your brighter tomorrow. If you just knowing that you are loved means so very much to people. I think a lot of times some of the hurt that we see throughout the world is because people feel lonely. They feel lost. They don't feel valued. But when you extend love to people, they feel that worth. Just even the way I say hello to you in love can make someone's day feel, wow, that was a very lovely moment. That, that was something that really touched me. So for me, that is something that is true, that cannot be denied, is love. Love one another. Mm. Love your neighbor. Try to just love. Don't judge. And again, Jasmine said it so well, like, even if you don't necessarily agree with all choices that everybody makes, love them. Because yes. I want to be loved. Yes. I don't make all the right decisions in other people's mind. And, you know, I feel like I make the right decisions for my life. 
but I want people to love me for me. Mm. <laughs> Don't try to change me. Don't try to make me conform to what you think I should be. Just see the value in me. Mm. That's all I ask of you. And that's all I choose to give to other people. And bravo. <laughs> I agree. I'm like, can I use his answer? My advice and my word of wisdom to everyone, especially parents, is do your best for today. Mm. Your best is going to change every day. If I have eight hours of sleep, I'm a different mother versus if I have four hours of sleep. But on the four hours, I'm going to do my best. Mm -hmm. So everybody do the best of where you're at today, not where you were, not what, what someone expects of you. You know, parenthood is hard. Being a human is hard. But being a parent is especially hard because now you're worried about your life and somebody else's life. And that is overwhelming. It's an overwhelming responsibility. And we won't always get it right. As humans, we won't always get it right. But if you can do your best just for today, like today we went to Legoland, Levi woke up twice in the middle of the night, probably needed to blow his nose, go to the bathroom. So every time he wakes up, both of us wake up, we're like, what's going on? But then this morning he woke up at 7.30. Didn't matter that he went to bed late. He's going to wake up on time. And he wanted to play. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my goodness. He wanted to play Legos and he wanted me to play Legos with him. And I thought, I'm going to give him the best that I have today. Would it be the best if, if I was well-rested? I haven't been well-rested in 18 years. No, but today, <laughs> today I'm going to do my best and I'm going to give myself grace in whatever that is. And I think just give yourself grace and do your best for the circumstances of today. Mm. Don't hold on to yesterday. At the end of the day, you got to let it go and then you have to start all over. Now, I do have an anecdotal story about love and kindness. Now, when Kennedy was little, I used to get in the elevator and I would speak to everyone. And like, I've always had like, people are hurt mentality mm. because I have been hurt. So I have empathy on that. I don't know what other people are going through. So I am the person, the annoying person in the elevator that is going to talk to you. I'm like, <laughs> hi, how are you? And when she was little, it like grinded her. She just could not stand it. And she'd be like, oh my, here goes my mom again. Here goes my mom again. And as an adult, I have witnessed firsthand that she speaks to everybody. Mm -hmm. And she said, mom, I didn't understand it then, but now people just need to see a smiling face. Mm. She saw love in action. Yes. And so now she is capable of giving love and action. So that's an anecdote. To just love people, mm -hmm. it's like, what does that mean? What does it mean to just love people? Smile. Like, I smile so much, people definitely think I'm crazy. <laughs> Am I wrong? I'm like, I'm walking down the street like, <laughs> people sometimes like avert eye contact. They're like, who is this crazy? Do I know her? But it doesn't matter because some people smile back. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, they look like, huh, haven't got a smile today. That's just what love is. Mm -hmm. It's not hard. Me mm -hmm. too. It's really not hard. Yes. Well, we like to end every episode with something fun. We move from the substantive to the silly. And though we talk a lot about parenting, we like to end talking about food. And we'd love to ask you both a two-part question. Okay. First part is queso or guacamole? <sighs> Hands down, guac. Oh, God. <laughs> I like love guac. it. You know I'm it like, already. No. <laughs> no, no, guac. And then the second part is what's your favorite taco? Oh, what's my favorite taco? Mm -hmm. For me, it would be a uh, carne asada. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Carne, yeah, yeah. Now listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you very Wait, much. Wait, do you like you. queso or guac? Oh, guac. Yeah, we're. Yeah. You know what? We're in California yeah. too. You know, yeah. we got those avocados. Yeah. Oh, yes. You know, that's the whole thing. Yes. Here. Much better than Tennessee. <laughs> Much yeah. better and guac there. is good for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's a I mean, good fatty ass. It's like a good yeah. fat. Yeah. For avocado people. I would have to go against the grain and say a breakfast taco. Mm. Mm. Ooh, that's it, yeah. I love a scrambled oh, egg oh, yeah. and yeah. bacon with a little potato. Oh, I can eat a breakfast taco all day. Mm -hmm. Good That's choice. my answer. Yeah. If the two of you will ever find your way to Nashville, we are going to take you to get one of the best breakfast tacos yes. in the city. 
You just find your way here. I will hold you to that. I look forward to it. We love it. Now we have a reason to get to Nashville. When we call you and be like, hey, we're here. You better answer our call. (laughs) Like these weirdos came. Oh, y'all. We loved you before and love you even more now. Just thank you for sharing your hearts and wisdom and just being the light that you are in this world. We're so grateful for the two of you. And thank you to you two for all the work that you're doing. If no one has said today that they appreciate you, we appreciate you. Mm. Our heart is with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully we can give you some strength from our love to continue the fight that you're fighting to help families and children. I could not imagine having to go speak to a room full of horrified parents. Mm. That is like everyone's worst nightmare. So thank you for what you all are doing as well and giving us time to speak to you. Thanks, Sean. You all are the billion stones. Mm, you you are. really are. You're moving mountains. Mm. Yeah. So just know that you are appreciated for the light that you are. Yep. Thank you thank both. Thank you both it's so much. It has been a gift to be with you. And everybody needs to go buy your books. Oh, yeah. You know, look, it's very easy to become a children's book author when you're married to Jasmine Simon. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Well, it's very simple, people. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> we believe that. Have a junk drawer you know, and have Jasmine. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's all you need. Yeah, it's like, come on. It's, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do hope that people get a chance to check out both books. Yes. Most Perfect You and Repeat After Me, because I think it's important to continue to share some light in this world. And I think even the books, they are very powerful for children, mm. but also very powerful for the adults who read the books. Yeah. To the yes. children. We all Hearing need those affirmations. Back to you. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yes. And I look forward to reading your book. Yes. And I know that's yes. going to be one of my parent Bibles along the way. Well, it's yes. coming your way. We <laughs> well, promise you thank that. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> thank, thank you both. So good to be with y'all. Thank all you right. guys. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.